At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Late breaking news. Uh-huh. The NFL has alternate locations ready to go for Super Bowl 56 in the event that COVID restrictions prevent the show from happening in Los Angeles. Miles, I thought we were going to be able to hang out for some of the week, not much of the week. You can only deal with me for so long. Just to say, <laughs> have a quick bite to eat. And I, look, I, I haven't gone anywhere in two years. I haven't even begun to ponder what it will be like to be anywhere except my, my normal habitat. But my, my one-week habitat or less may be Dallas or some other alternate location if this happens. Kind of a surprise, but... I guess it really isn't if you've been paying attention to the way the numbers keep going up and up and up all over again. Well, listen, Mike, I mean, if we get to go to Dallas instead of coming here to L.A., maybe somebody will tell us to try crack instead of black eyed peas and greens for New Year's. (laughs) That, that, uh, yes, that was quite the way to start the year on PFTPM with the words of wisdom shared by Shereen Williams. For those of you who missed the show, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, Shereen pointed out that she eats black-eyed peas on January 1 for good luck, and after the last two years, someone suggested that maybe she should try crack instead. Shereen Williams, I, I thought my ears weren't working. I thought, and then I thought, is there some other, like, Jimmy Crack corn? Is there some, like, what, is there some food? Like, what, am, what is happening? I about fell off my chair when she said that the other day. That was hilarious. And it was so just like nonchalant, like no big deal, you know, crack, just no big deal. Uh, But but the pandemic continues to be a big deal. And hopefully the well, the Super Bowl is going to happen. They're not going to postpone or cancel the Super Bowl. They, They will play it in a Walmart parking lot on concrete if they have to. They'll find a way to get the game in. The question is, where will it be? And somewhere in the country, they'll have a place where not only they can play it, but they can also fill the stands and generate the revenue that comes from selling Super Bowl tickets, even if thousands will have to abruptly change plans from Los Angeles to Dallas. And that's the other thing, too. Miles, if they're going to do it, it's not something you can do a week before the game. It's something that needs to be implemented at least, at least, I'd say three weeks before the game. At least three weeks before the game. If you're gonna yeah, if you're gonna yeah. move heaven and earth to relocate the the major predominant American sporting event, I think three weeks is a fair uh, lead time to make it happen. I, I'd agree with you, but I mean, also like living out here, I, yes, there have been more restrictions, I guess you could say, um, but we've had a, a mandatory mask mandate in place basically since I, I got back out here. Um, in June. I mean, it was actually gone for a couple of weeks and then it came right back there in uh, July. So, and that's in LA County. And so you, you can't even go to a major sporting event out here without a mask on anyway. So I just, I mean, I understand the contingency plans, but at this point, I don't necessarily think it's going to get that bad to where they would necessarily need to move the Super Bowl out of here. But, you know, it's obviously this is a fluid situation. So we'll stay tuned. Yeah, and uh, we'll keep you posted, obviously, at PFT or PFT Live or PFT PM. 
What you need to know this afternoon begins in Tampa, where we continue to await whatever roster move the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be making with receiver Antonio Brown, who, as of three days ago, according to Coach Bruce Arians, is off the team. I guess it depends on what the definition of off is, because as of today, he's on the team. He wasn't at practice today. I thought he should show up say, here I am. Yeah. Best way to bring this to a head is say, here I am, deal with me. Arians told reporters today that they're trying to figure out the proper designation, which at some point just doesn't make sense. At some point, it feels like they're trying to buy time. They're trying to run out the clock. They're trying to ensure that Antonio Brown has limited or no options for landing with another team that they don't want him playing with anyone else. And there are people around the league who say there's no way anyone's going to give him another chance. I say baloney. All it takes is one team. And Super Bowls are a hell of a lot more permanent than the short-term dysfunction that Antonio Brown may bring to the table. I, I, that's the only logical explanation at this point. They are trying to find a way to make sure he doesn't play for them and he doesn't play for anybody else. Because nobody wants to be the one to have to explain to Tom Brady why Antonio Brown had 10 catches for 152 yards and two touchdowns in Super Bowl 56 for the Kansas City Chiefs as Tom avoided his eighth Super Bowl championship, thanks in part to the efforts of Antonio Brown. They don't want that to happen. So I can't say I blame them, but I do blame them because I think if you're done with them, it's not fair to him or to the sport or to anyone else to try to find a way to finagle the rules to keep him from being somewhere else if someone else wants him. Well, right. And I, I kind of think that that's kind of the problem with what Bruce Arians said kind of in the heat of the moment right after the game. And I mean, I understand exactly why he said the things that he said and the way he said it. And so it's like, look, Antonio Brown's no longer on the team. And what other reaction are you realistically going to have when a guy literally throws his shoulder pads off on the sideline and then starts taking off all his clothes and then just throwing his things into the stands in an away stadium. I mean, I don't, there's kind of no other logical reaction that Bruce Arians could have. However, if you think about cooler heads prevailing, which again, in that situation, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Then the right response from Arians probably would have been to say something like, listen, we're going to have, a full statement on Antonio Brown later today, right? Or later. We'll give that to you guys later. I'm not going to address that right now because I want to talk about the guys who finished the game with us. And so if he did that, then it wouldn't necessarily be this situation where it's like, all right, well, if he's no longer a part of the team, then why is he still on the team? Because he's still on the team, right? I mean, even if he didn't practice today and he wasn't there and he didn't show up he's still a part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until they figure you know quote unquote figure out what they're going to do with him and his roster spot so at this point it's like oh guys you've had three days to do this you know what you're doing you should know what you're there are only so many different ways that you can address this and resolve it so if he's no longer a buck then he should no longer be a buck but if you're going to say suspend him for conduct detrimental or what have you then that's really what you're trying to do. And you're trying to prevent him from being on another team. And I understand that. But again, he'd still be a buck at that point. And there were people earlier in the week suggesting that maybe they're treading lightly because if he is injured, you can't cut a guy who's injured. First of all, that happens all the time. You work it mm -hmm. out on the back end through the grievance process as to whether or not he's entitled to ongoing pay because he was injured when he was released. But you got one game check left. His salary was guaranteed anyway. This doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Common sense suggests that they are trying to make sure they don't have to deal with Antonio Brown as the three teams I continue to think 
would be interested potentially the Chiefs, the Packers, or the Rams. And uh, if he continues to be on the Buccaneers roster, the chances of that happening are smaller and smaller. And as of this moment, he still is a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times tweeting about 20 minutes ago, no official moves with Antonio Brown today on the transaction list. The saga continues for now. And it's becoming laughable that we are three days in to this. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, after they said on Sunday, and, and maybe Bruce Arians just doesn't care whether or not he has any credibility with anyone, whether it's he screws up one time and he's gone, okay, he screws up two times and he's gone, or he's no longer a member of the team, and three days later he's still a member of the team. He probably doesn't care, but I don't know. I'd like to think at some level we all want to be believed, and we don't want people to just look at us and roll their eyes and say, you can't believe anything that guy says. And I'm starting to feel that way about Bruce Arians. When it comes to Antonio Brown, you can't believe anything he ever says, Miles. Well, can you believe anything anybody ever says about Antonio Brown until they're like well, he's not on the team you anymore? I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't, I mean, you can't, yeah, you can't believe anything Raiders, anyone in the NFL goodness. ever says. Well, but, well, hey, well, hey, yes, speaking of that, one thing, let, let, yeah. listen, I'm glad that you mentioned that because people are acting like that what Antonio Brown did on Sunday was the worst thing he's ever done in his career by far and there's no ever coming back from it. My God. August was a reign of terror in 2019 for Antonio Brown. And he, got, and he got signed by the Patriots the same day he got cut. The same day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, he literally kicked a football and uh, called Mike Mayock a cracker and, like, then, like, stormed off the field. Like, there, there's been a whole deluge of things that Antonio Brown has done. I remember John Gruden talking about how, well, we had fried feet uh, with Antonio Brown and frozen feet, and now, you know, we've got different stuff with Tyrell. Like, it was, I'll tell you, as a beat writer, that month was horrible leading up to that week against the Broncos in Monday night football, where he was uh, eventually cut because he said, release me Raiders on the video. I got texts at like six o'clock in the morning. And, you know, as I'm still sleeping, I was like, Oh, better wake up miles. Antonio Brown's doing something else now. So yeah, the fact that, that to think that he's not going to get another job after this, where if you look at that game, he's still running routes at an extremely high level against the jets before he decides that he's no longer playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or he got fired, whatever the situation may be like somebody else is going to give him a chance because he can still play and production equals tolerance in this league. And uh, you're absolutely right, especially when Super Bowls and legacies are on the line. Meanwhile, Antonio mm-hmm. Brown has some time on his hands. He has been doing some cameo videos. And, hey, it's, 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 a way, it's a way to make a few extra bucks here or there if that's what you choose to do. And he chose to do it. And he got some question, apparently, about Mike Zimmer, the Vikings coach, and Kirk Cousins. And at the tail end, we got a little glimpse for the first time of what Antonio Brown has in mind about his short-term future. Here it is. I would love to have an opinion to actually tell you what should the Vikings do with Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, their offense, defense. But, man, I'm trying to figure out my team, my squad, what I'm doing, where I'm going. So, Skull Nation, I would tell you how to fix the Vikings. Call Mike Zimmer. Let Mike Zimmer figure it out. He's the best of the best. You guys in good hands. Vikings Twitter. Keep in this booming. 
So he's trying to figure out his own thing. Hey, look, and, and I, I, I don't want to play psychiatrist, medical professional based upon video or whatever, but I, I, I look, and I, I haven't heard and seen enough directly from Antonio Brown lately to feel strongly about this, but something doesn't seem right there. Something doesn't seem right. Um, I, I, I think it's fair to say. Things, Mike. Have but, you seen but, one of those old just, ones? Anyway, he's yeah, talking I, I, about, you know, I heard it was uh, your birthday or something. And, you know, I got to just sort of say a happy birthday. Like, that's the way he always does those cameos. It's very weird. That's, that's nothing new. Well, something doesn't seem right. Sometimes, well, I, I haven't been surfing the Antonio Brown cameos lately, and I vaguely <laughs> do recall one that he did way back when, like in a swimming pool or something like that, wishing someone happy birthday. But uh, I, I just, I, I just, uh, I, I hope that whatever he wants, he's able to get. That he has sure. appropriate people around him to advise him accordingly. Because you know, somebody asked me the question earlier today, why are you defending Antonio Brown? And I'm not defending him. I'm defending the concept that everyone has rights. And those rights become no more fragile than when the person who has those rights becomes unpopular. Then it's very easy to strip their rights away, trample their rights, ignore their rights. And that's why it's important to be vigilant in a situation like this where Antonio Brown is declaring himself to be a complete and total ass to anyone who's paying attention to remember that he has fundamental rights as an American citizen, as a member of the NFL Players Association, and we can't just start ignoring his rights because he's not a likable guy. That's, that's the challenge. Because, look, I, I mean, he and I got into it last week on Twitter because I, you know, said something that, I don't know, in hindsight, should I have said it or not? Sometimes the devil on the left shoulder wins. Sometimes the devil on the left shoulder loses. It all depends. But uh, I, I, I just think that it's important for someone to be willing to say, okay, the guy uh, isn't a good teammate. The guy has had plenty of issues over the course of his career, but he still has rights. And we can't just manipulate him and delay cutting him and, and, and otherwise mistreat him within the confines of the collective bargaining agreement because he's not a likable guy. I, I, I think that's inappropriate, and, and I hope the Buccaneers aren't doing it. But with each passing day, Miles, I feel like they are. Well, I, yes. And frankly, you know, I'm not trying to necessarily be glib about this, but like this is where your background as a lawyer kind of fits into all of this, that's right? Because, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, but it's true, though, Mike, because that's the kind of thing that you think about that maybe not necessarily everybody else would think about because you're used to practicing law. You know, you're used to making sure that people's rights are not being trampled upon. So, when you're talking about somebody like Antonio Brown, I mean, like, look, then you don't have to like him to think that, yeah, if somebody says you're no longer a part of the team and they are you know, as high up uh, in the Buccaneers as Bruce Arians is and literally declares, no, he's no longer a part of this team. And then technically days later, he is still a part of the team. Then, yeah, I mean, I feel like at a certain point there is something being trampled on here. And so yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, we can think whatever we want to think personally about Antonio Brown. And I think, as you just said, it's very clear he's not a very good teammate and he can at least be a bit of a jerk. And I'm being kind by saying that off of the field. Right. But that doesn't mean that when somebody says he's no longer part of the team, he should still be a part of that team three days later. We'll see how this plays out. And we're still waiting for Antonio Brown or his representatives to say something. 
Yesterday, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times had a couple of tweets about Brown's ankle, pointing out that he got an outside opinion from a surgeon and with an MRI, this is definitely a painful condition that he's experiencing and that Brown's camp would be issuing a statement at some point. And some of the things that have been put out there felt like they were being pushed by Brown's camp and not by Brown himself. And who knows how much of this is spin control, posturing, whatever. But still, it's becoming deafening, the silence from Antonio Brown or his agent, Ed Wazileski, as it relates to whatever the plan is, whatever the agenda is. As of yesterday, I was told the NFL Players Association is in the dark here. At some point, they need to stand up and say, we demand answers for Antonio Brown. He's either on the team or not. And you know what? For all we know, somebody advised Antonio Brown to get his ass back to Tampa and show up for work today, and he didn't, which makes it harder to bring this to a head if he's not going to show up and bang on someone's door and say, let me in or cut me. You got two choices. So we'll continue to watch this hour by hour, development by development week 18 is upon us and you know for as many teams as were alive just a couple of weeks ago there aren't a whole lot of seats left at the playoff table and one team that has abandoned its place at the playoff table a couple of weeks ago is Chicago Bears Justin Fields will start in the regular season finale this weekend in Minnesota a meaningless game for both teams although both head coaches presumably, possibly, likely on the hot seat. Matt Nagy told reporters today that he hasn't been told that he'll be fired. This reminds me of Thanksgiving week. Remember, there was a report from the Pulitzer winner, Mark Conkle, that that they'd already made the decision to fire Matt Nagy after the Thanksgiving game, and they'd already told him. I think that in Chicago, the issue isn't, does Matt Nagy go? And and look, it's not for me to decide who stays or goes. I think they're being a little premature. The guy went to the playoffs two out of his first three years. But the question is, how much higher up the ladder do you go? And I've continued to say, Miles, at some point, you got to fire the guy who's hiring the GMs and the coaches. Ted Phillips is not an owner of the team. Ted Phillips is the CEO. He's been there for 22 years. They've won three playoff games, I think, in those 22 years. And he's the guy that brought us Phil Emery. He's the guy that brought us Mark Tressman. He's the guy that keeps hiring coaches and GMs who keep getting fired. At some point, Ted Phillips needs to go. And that's where you have to – it's almost like – the Sultan and Jafar, where you've got to break the spell that the CEO has over ownership, that, that that's the person that basically does the heavy lifting and helps the owner understand what's going on and serves as the buffer between the owner and the coach and the GM because maybe there's some awkwardness there. They just don't want to have to deal with that. They don't want to get their hands dirty. So they have this person who isn't in ownership and isn't accountable when things go sideways, at some point that person has to be accountable because at some point that person is the problem, Miles. And I've said that a couple of years ago when there was talk of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace being gone, and I'm going to say it now. And he may not like it, but so what? It's the best job in sports. It's the best job in sports to have your finger on the buttons of control of an NFL franchise and have no accountability for losing and losing and losing. Yes. Yes. No, a hundred percent is. Um, and honest to goodness, it kind of reminds me, and I don't necessarily want to compare these two organizations because one is a complete cluster and the other at least has been competent and then a part of kind of the living, breathing NFL for the last two decades. But you, you talk about what happened with Bruce Allen there in Washington, and it was kind of the same sort of situation, right? Where you have a team president who has been in control of everything, right? He's hired the GMs, he's hired the coaches, and he's kind of presided 
dismayed over all this futility. And then finally he gets fired, uh, whatever it was, last year, two years ago. And then uh, they bring in a whole new football regime and they're really starting to clean things up there. At least you'd like to think they're in Washington, right? I mean, it's in some ways a similar situation when you're talking about the Chicago Bears and Phillips, because again, he's been the one who's made all these hires and kind of presided over these decades of futility. And so if you're going to really think about, all right, how do we correct what the Chicago Bears are? How do we build around a guy like Justin Fields, who has shown that he has some real good star potential throughout the course of his rookie season? You may need to start really, really high up there. And, you know, as uh, Jed York said a few years ago, you can't fire the owner. Well, you can fire the person who's one level down than the owner. And that might be the key to really getting something going there for the Chicago Bears. And as evidence of how dysfunctional it really is in Washington, Bruce Allen failed as the general manager upward into the position of team president. That's a great gig if you can get it. Hey, you know, Bruce, we got to have a conversation here. You've been the general manager for a few years, and I know you tried really hard to build a team that would be a consistent contender, and we gave you all the financial support you needed, and we, we really thought you'd be successful. We want you to be successful, and it's just not working out. We'd like you to be the team president. I just, <laughs> it's, if, if, you, if you laid out those facts and told me that was happening at any team in the NFL, the Washington football team would be the minus 550 favorite at the points bet sports book. Um, so, look, the hot spots for me as we get closer to next Monday or Sunday, because like Black Friday, it starts a day earlier. On Thanksgiving for the shopping, Black Monday starts a day earlier. We see and hear statements made about coaches not being retained. I'm watching Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. I'm watching Matt Nagy in Chicago, Matt Rule in Carolina, Vic Fangio in Denver, and Pete Carroll in Seattle. Those are the five. Those are the five. Not Joe Judge. Am I missing? Uh, Well, I wasn't, but I guess I am now. He keeps flapping his gums, man. After that whole 11-minute, you know, delusional rant that he was talking about, if you're Lamar, are you really comfortable bringing that guy back for another season? I I mean, I don't know if I would be. I really don't. You're just saying things that just don't make any sense. Oh, the 2019 team quit. They won two of their last three games. Oh, my gosh, we all thought we were going to get fired of the 2018 Patriots. They're 7-2 midseason. It's just these things aren't necessarily making sense. Oh, my gosh, all these players that, that were with us, they, they're calling me, and they say they used to – they really wish they were still a part of the Giants. Like, guys like in, are in Cincinnati who, you know, just won a division? Like, what, I, I just – all of that stuff is just such garbage to me that I feel like it, I, it would make me think twice about retaining him next season. Well, and, you know, we have heard nothing from owners of any of these teams – by way of a public assurance that coaches will be back. And we've seen nothing that would suggest it's been a private assurance. The closest we've gotten is the report from a few weeks ago from NFL media that Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, coach and quarterback respectively of the Giants, will be back. But Joe Judge is not acting like somebody who's been told he's going to be back. And I, I said when the window opened on firing coaches and commencing the process of interviewing assistants from other teams, Maybe no one got fired because these are two pretty significant data points under pretty stressful conditions. You're going to learn a lot about your coach if he's got two weeks left 
at a time when it's reasonable to think he may be out. Let's see what he does. Let's see how he conducts himself. There's going to be some relevant evidence that can be used to make a final decision. So if the Giants hadn't made a decision about Joe Judge and they wanted to see how he acted under stress and he had a protracted case of explosive verbal diarrhea on Sunday and Monday, pardon me, enjoy your... Enjoy your hot chocolate, but and the the uh the, the sorry <laughs> the oh, point is on. the the point is sorry uh the point is if there is one maybe this this meltdown we've seen from him is the thing that causes the Maras to to make a change. But I also firmly believe at some level the Maras kind of like the idea when either coach or GM becomes back page fodder and says all this crazy stuff because it keeps the spotlight away from them. They want the spotlight away from them. They want to have the ladle deep in the bowl, in the bowl of soup, swirling it around and they don't want to get criticized for it. And when you have Joe judge saying the crazy stuff he said Sunday and Monday, no one's going to boo John Mara. Uh, if he's, you know, picking up a sandwich at the deli, they're, they're going to be more focused on Joe judge. Well, that's true. They could have that uh, ladle deep, deep, deep down there in that bucket of hot chocolate. That's true. All right. Uh, okay, the Titans have designated Derrick Henry to return from injured reserve. That's big news. That's huge news because if they get the bye, if they get the one seed and they get the bye and he's ready to go divisional round, how are the Titans not a team that you look at and say, assuming he's healthy, and there's no reason to think he wouldn't be, they wouldn't bring him back if he wasn't, but holy crap. The way this team has won and thrived without him, you throw him back into the mix. You have Deontay Foreman, who has been a godsend as a change of pace. How do the Titans not make it to the Super Bowl, wherever the Super Bowl may be? Yeah, well, that's kind of what I think. And frankly, I, I don't know why we don't necessarily think that the Titans are more of a front runner than they are. I mean, they're about to clinch the number one seed. I think that we all kind of believe that they're going to beat Houston on Sunday. They had a chance either last year, two years ago, I can't quite remember, to make sure that they won the NFC, excuse me, the AFC South when they went to Houston. And Derrick Henry basically carried them to that victory. Whether or not he's playing on Sunday, I believe that they're going to win that game. So look, if you have that extra time to get him ready, to get him acclimated in practice, no, he's not going to be taking hits. But dude, I mean, this is a guy with pretty fresh legs, let's call it, since you know, he hasn't been taking hits for a really long time. And I know that he's coming off a foot injury. So who's going to say how fresh those legs are. But if you're trying to tackle Derrick Henry, who has not been hit for this long, you know, and you're in the playoffs and you're tired already and you're beat up already, and you got to tackle that dude. I, that's going to be really tough for any AFC opponent it really is. And, you know, that, that's a great point. He hasn't been taking hits. He hasn't been absorbing wear and tear. He comes back healthy. He comes back fresh. He comes back September legs, not January legs. And we, we see how he runs and how he gets better as the game goes on and how he's, you know, virtually indestructible, except for what happened with his foot. But th- th- it's, right. it's, it's a great development for the Titans. And we, we continue to try to find reasons to just overlook them. I say we kind of collectively because even – as they thrive, there's just something about them that isn't as sexy as the Chiefs or the Bills or the Patriots even. And they're just kind of there. Well, they are there. And uh, just like 1999, they could be there. It could be Titans-Rams all over again. Super Bowl Thirty Four oh, rematch. The same year of American Underdog, the movie available in theaters, I think. I think it's still in theaters. You can see the Titans and the Rams play all over again. Because uh, right now, to me, the way they're playing – 
those would be the two teams that I would say have the best chance to navigate their way to the top. Although I'm still not so sure the Rams can win in Green Bay. But uh, the way they've been playing lately, maybe they can pull it off. All right, Joe Burrow won't play Sunday. He says his knee is fine, but he's resting for the playoffs. So uh, they don't need this game. Uh, it's Browns-Bengals, meaningless game for both teams, backup quarterbacks for both teams. I don't know. Do, do, do you care if the Browns win the regular season finale as a fan of the franchise? Does it matter to no, you? No. I, I mean, no. I, it would, maybe it would be nice to have some good vibes going into the postseason uh, and into the draft season. I mean, I, you know, following stuff as I do, there are some fans that are like, oh, my gosh, well, good thing they lost to Pittsburgh because they weren't going to the playoffs anyway, probably. You know, well, they absolutely weren't because they got eliminated um, when the, the Bengals clinched the division on Sunday. And then, you know, you're, you're looking at this game and it's like, well, you lose this one, you get better draft position. I – I don't know if Case Keaton goes out there and he looks kind of decent and like he can operate the offense and, you know, doesn't throw picks and doesn't have 10 straight incompletions. Is it going to kind of be like, oh, well, why wasn't Case Keenum playing more? And I think that, you know, people are already asking those questions um, based on the way Baker Mayfield played kind of late in this season, especially that four pick game that he had against the Green Bay Packers a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, that's a long answer for what really is no, it, it doesn't. When you have two teams that are playing a meaningless game, like it just kind of is what it is. The reality, though, is there are real questions about the Browns' future plans at quarterback, and this will sure. be a test of the organization. We we thought the veil of dysfunction was lifting last year. The Browns is the Browns, and they win the playoff game. There's a different vibe all year long. Sims picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and it's not like he was out on some crazy limb with that. They looked like they had the tools to take it to the next level. They had loaded up their defense. They have a potent offense. It felt like it was moving in the right direction. Baker Mayfield was great the second half of last season, and now all of a sudden the Bengals are what we thought the Browns we're going to be with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and company. And, uh, you know, my, my niece grew up in Columbus, and I need to have the conversation with her because is that fairly equidistant to Cleveland and Cincinnati? Yes. It's about the yeah. same, right? She yes. could have gone yeah. either way. She could have gone either way. I just wonder if if uh, she regrets not not glomming on to the Bengals now that it looks like the Bengals have got it figured out. But, but the Browns have an opportunity here. And – and, and and what I think they have in their favor, Miles, if they would choose to move on from Baker Mayfield or bring in real competition and force him to earn it every day and put him under pressure and see how he acts in that situation, it's not like the fans are going to lose their minds over it because I feel like the fans have inched toward being done with, with Baker Mayfield. My niece texted me the other night, I'm over Baker Mayfield. Well, I was like, well, I'm glad I bought you an autographed jersey when he was, you know, a rookie, but but I'm over Baker Mayfield. So and And she's the perfect... You know, she's not hardcore zealous, follow it like we do, but she follows it enough that she's got strong opinions and she likes going to games. And, and she's a good average voice of the fan for me to take the temperature of from time to time. And if she's over Baker Mayfield, I have a feeling a lot of Browns fans are over Baker Mayfield. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, the, uh, this is a sort of silly comparison. Maybe it's not. But there, it seems like to me there's going to be 30% of people that are just going to back Baker Mayfield. Oh, no. You know what no. Don't do it. And it's just. Don't it's do just, it. They're going to do whatever they want to do to just back Baker Mayfield. And that's just how. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, there's like uh, a certain group of people. Maybe let's call it 30%. That also is like, no, Baker stinks. And then you've got a bunch of people 
people in the middle that can kind of go either way. And I feel like the the casual Browns fan, after what we've seen over the last few weeks, month, let's call it let's last half of the season, like they're more or less like, eh, I don't know if Baker Mayfield should be doing those progressive commercials next year. Yeah, the problem is you got some of those fans that used to be pro-Baker that are very upset that he dared to wear a harness this year and they're lashing out against him because they're anti-harness and he's pro-harness. That's the, that's the best. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. All right, let's take a break. Let's move on. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks who have a, a polarizing tendency, Aaron Rodgers spoke today about the things an MVP voter had to say yesterday regarding Aaron Rodgers and his disinclination to vote for Rodgers for MVP. We'll let you hear from Rodgers directly when PFTPM continues right after this. As far as what happened last night, um, uh, it's on me. You know, I, I screwed up. I, I think that, you know, again, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to it since I don't spend much time on Twitter. Uh, I do know that a lot of it is being presented in ways that it wasn't said, but that's going to happen. And I do know that, that some of it sounds awful because I didn't say very well what I wanted to say, you know. And, and so um, all you can do is own it, and, and I own it, and uh, we'll see where it goes going forward, uh, you know, and, and there's really not much else for me to say about it. That's Hub Arkish today on 670 The Score in Chicago, the same station on which he said yesterday that, Aaron Rodgers is the biggest jerk in the league, and he's not going to vote for him for MVP. Now, I take issue with him kind of trying to subtly split hairs there and suggest that his words were taken out of context. We played two minutes and 19 mm-hmm. seconds earlier today of exactly what he said. There was no misunderstanding as to what he said or why he said it. He's not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers because of things unrelated to his performance between Week 1 and Week 18 of the 2021 NFL season. He's not voting for him because of his vaccination snafu lying about it whatever and also he's not going to vote for him because of the way he conducted himself in the offseason which should be irrelevant completely and entirely to what a guy does from the time the season starts until the season it's a regular season award not postseason not preseason not offseason it's a regular season award none of that other stuff matters and his apology and i listened to it live his apology was that he spoke out not that he believes Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be the MVP and he intends to not vote for him for MVP for reasons that are inappropriate. He's not apologizing for that, and I heard him say nothing that would suggest he's revisited his position and decided that he was wrong. He believes he was wrong simply because he said out loud the thing that he shouldn't be thinking privately. Well, right. And, you know, I think we get on athletes all the time for saying, oh, well, I got taken out of context. That, that's not really what I meant. And, you know, we're dealing with direct quotes here, right? Like that, he was directly quoted. There's nothing to take out of context from the sense of, OK, I'm not voting for Aaron Rodgers because of lying about his vaccination status because he's the biggest jerk in the league and all this different stuff that he said. What exactly is there to take out of context? So if we're going to get on on athletes for saying crap like that, then yeah, I'm going to get on other media members for saying crap like that. It's ridiculous. We didn't take you out of context, man. Get out of here. Here's the reality. And I think a lot of athletes and coaches learned this 10 years ago. And and maybe Hub Arkish, all due respect, never said anything anyone cared about before. 
But the words that we utter into a microphone don't just disappear into the ether. They are recorded. They are preserved. They can be heard again in podcast format or wherever. You know, in the old days of talk radio, you said it and it was gone forever. And unless somebody happened to be listening to it or recording it with a cassette player or something like that, there was no proof of it. You, you couldn't resurrect it. Now it can be brought back and listened to all the time. So anybody who has any doubts about what Hub Arkish said, you can find the, the quotes from the 670 The Score website from yesterday's show. He said what he said, and he has no apology for what he said. He just apologizes for the fact that he said it because they're not supposed to talk about not only who they're voting for, but who they're not voting for. And he made this weird kind of self-flagellation that he put the other voters in a difficult situation because they now have to talk about it. Well, that's a load of crap. There are 49 people from different news organizations. Like, like Shireen hasn't been in demand all day long, as far as I know, to do radio interviews and TV interviews to account for the comment made by Hub Arkish. Just because somebody's a voter for the MVP award doesn't mean that, that you're going to face a bunch of tough questions and it's going to be a distraction because everyone wants to know about Hub Arkish. That's just kind of stupid. Yes, it is. Well, and like, it's kind of, it, it, isn't this little like athlete, like playbook of, you know, oh, I said something and now it's a distraction and now it's all this different. So it's just kind of funny to see it from a media member as opposed to an athlete. Like we're kind of used to seeing it. It's funny to me. Well, an athlete who has a fairly significant media platform and knows how to use it is Aaron Rodgers. Before we get to what he had to say, Matt, Matt LaFleur, who likely will be the Coach of the year, unless Hub Arkish refuses to vote for him, too, because he didn't keep Aaron Rodgers in line. I don't know. But here's Matt LaFleur, the likely coach of the year, talking about the situation earlier today. I don't know what else could factor into it than how somebody goes out and performs on a weekly basis. And if people are going to judge people for, you know, differences of opinion or things that they have no idea what the heck they're talking about, then uh, I think that just kind of discredits that that award and I think we hold that award in in high regard I think most do and I think it's an absolute privilege to be able to vote for that award and to consider anything else outside of what you see when that player's out there playing I think is a disservice to everybody that's a great comment from Matt LaFleur and that's the right way to handle it and I hope if nothing else that this incident will spark a much more careful approach by the Associated Press as to the 50 people who have that privilege. Maybe more should have it to dilute the wrongheaded thinking of some voters. The more voters you have, the less likely a fringe position is going to take any real root. I mean, it's 2% of the vote on all of the AP awards. And the NFL, I asked them for comment today because they've made this, Miles, the official NFL awards that are given out at the NFL honor ceremony. And the league said, well, wouldn't be appropriate for us to comment because we're not responsible for that. It's kind of a cop-out. I hope behind the scenes there were some tough conversations between 345 Park Avenue and AP headquarters saying, hey, look, you know, we're, we're legitimizing and really making these awards even more significant by attaching the shield to them and making the official awards. you got to clean up your backyard a little bit with how you, you give out these votes and how you supervise the people who have the votes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because, I mean, look, the, the PFWA, Pro Football Writers of America, they, they do the same sort of awards, right? And, you know, every year they kind of say, like, look, there's no real official 
MVP. It's just that, hey, this is the one in the AP that's given out on NFL for NFL honors. And so, yeah, that sort of has the NFL's backing at this point. And that's the one that we all think of as the official MVP award. But I, I think that there is something to the fact that you maybe should have more than 50 folks around the country voting for this, right? Because when it's only 50, you don't necessarily know how much football they're actually watching. Right. And, and so many of these opinions, I feel like, get influenced by what the big games are and all this different stuff. You know, you don't have people necessarily watching as much football as we know our colleague Shereen Williams does. So I, it, it's it, it's all up in the air. And I think that you're kind of right. Like If you have more voters, it, it would probably be a better process. How much football are you watching? How closely do you follow the league every day of the year? How many people do you know that you talk to that have input and information mm-hmm. that influence your thinking and have a broader body of, you know, those, those things all go into it. But I have a feeling that it's, it's like anything else. It's who you know. It's who you're chummy with. It's who didn't say something bad about someone over at the water cooler one day and somebody is holding a grudge because they're the ones who have the power to give out these awards and nothing gets abused like hardly any power at all. All right, uh, here's, here's Aaron Rodgers using the power of the podium today to speak his mind about what Hub Arkish had to say on Tuesday. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But, I mean, to and I listened to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, in the offseason, that, you know, I had zero chance of winning the VP, in my opinion, should exclude, you know, future, future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or, the biggest jerk in the league. Because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an, an extra letter to put on the award just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum. And I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He has no idea who I am. He's never, never talked to me in his life. But it's unfortunate that those, those sentiments, it's surprising that he would even say that, to be honest. But, yeah, I knew this was possible. Talked about it on Mac a few weeks ago. Um, but crazy. Oh, the persecution complex is strong with that one. And there's nothing like (laughs) finding a witch to validate a witch hunt. Look, I got a lot to say, but we've already talked too much today. Let me say this, Miles. I don't like how Aaron Rodgers handled that. Because if he's not going to waste any time worrying about it, he sure as hell wasted plenty of time worrying about it to have that diatribe ready to go. And it's not about him not being vaccinated. That's not the issue. He lied to people about being vaccinated. And he has a way about him that is objectively, to some, unlikable. And we've seen enough from him and heard enough from him to come to a conclusion over the past 10 years that he is a jerk, if that's a conclusion that you want to come to. There's enough evidence out there to support the conclusion, Aaron Rodgers, you are a jerk. And that's okay. The question is, can you set it aside and still vote for him? I disagree with the idea that Aaron Rodgers is not going to get MVP votes because he's not vaccinated. That's not it. He's grossly oversimplifying it. And I hope people are smart enough to see through that grift. Well, I, I hope so too. And like, I, 
the, the thing about it is I think that you can really, really, really dislike what Aaron Rodgers has spewed in terms of COVID-19 misinformation and then still say, yeah, he's probably been the most valuable player who has played over the course of the regular season in the National Football League. I mean, there are clips of us, you know, on the internet, as we've been talking about, like things don't just go away. That Friday when he was on McAfee spewing for 46 minutes, COVID misinformation, I was about as angry as I've ever been in terms of my on-air broadcasting career. So I, I think that, but I can also still think, yeah, he's probably the most valuable player of the National Football League. And I think we've got to be able to separate the two. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I just don't like how he's going to take this one voice that, that is clearly wrong. That's the other thing he didn't point yes. out. It would have been nice for him to say, you know, I was concerned that a lot of people would come after me, that I'd have a woke mob after me. It turns out it was one guy. And when that guy opened his mouth, everybody else jumped on him and defended me. You didn't get any of that. You didn't get any appreciation from Aaron Rodgers. That other people rushed to his defense. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. My conclusion, based upon him being in the public eye for 12 years and listening to a lot of the things he's had to say, watching how he conducts himself, everything that about that is about Aaron Rodgers that has come across my radar screen, I've concluded he's a jerk. But I've also concluded he's the MVP of the NFL for the 2021 season. And it's possible to compartmentalize those two things. Let's take a break because we are way, way over. We're going to do some yes or no, will these records fall now that we have a 17-game season? If you haven't heard for the first time ever in the NFL, we'll be back with more PFTPM right after this. All right, PFTPM wrapping up the program. Will these records fall in week 18? 17 games for the first time ever. And look, I don't, I don't apply any asterisks. The length of the season is now 17 games. Whatever records are set are the records. Back in the 80s before Miles was even born, when Eric Dickerson set the single season rushing record, nobody said, oh, but O.J. Simpson did it in 14 games, and Eric Dickerson needed 16. We need to apply an asterisk. It is what it is. It's a 16-game season then. It's a 17-game season now. It eventually will be an 18-game season. So, Will Cooper Cup, let's start with the receptions yard. He needs a cat, not, not, no, the reception record. Let me screw that all up. The reception oh. record of 149. Hey, let me yeah. try it again. Reception record of 149. Set two years That's ago. That's not by what's Michael first Thomas. on the rundown. That's why I'm confused. To I know, but I, 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 I want to start with receptions before yards. I'm, I'm calling an audible, but I screwed it up. Most receptions of 149. He needs 11 to tie and 12 to pass it. Do you think he will tie or pass it or, or not reach it at all? Uh, so he had 11 receptions against the 49ers earlier this year, and the Rams are really going to need him. The Rams have not beaten the 49ers since I stopped working for them, and I stopped working for them after the 2018 season. So that kind of tells you how long it's been and how Shanahan has McVay's number. So I'll, I'll go yes, because they need their best player to step up. Oh, maybe they should sign you to a one-day contract then. Maybe that's the magic. That's what they need <laughs> oh, okay. to, to finally solve the 49ers. I, I, I looked at... Cup's uh, stats the other day. He's got three games this year with 11 catches. Um, and I think they're going to go out of their way to get the ball to him. Now, maybe the 49ers go out of their way to take Cooper Cup away, but I, th I still think that McVay knows how to design plays to get the guy open where double coverage doesn't matter. You get the ball to him before anyone even has a chance to be on top of him. You move him around the formation, bring him out of the backfield, do whatever. I think he'll get that. How about receiving yards? 135 to tie the record of 1964 set by Calvin Johnson in 2012. 136 to beat it, and three times this year, Cooper Cup has had 135 or more receiving yards. Does he match that, beat that, or neither? 
You took the wind out of my sails. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's gone to that number three times already this season, just like he's been at 11 receptions three times this season. So my, my mind's telling me no, but my body is telling me yes on this one. So I'll just go with the gut and say yes. I mean, the Rams want to win. The Rams want to improve their playoff position. The Rams could keep the 49ers out of the playoff field, which would be very important given that the 49ers have a mastery of the Rams. You don't want to come across a division rival ever in a playoff game if you can avoid it. Uh, and, and they have that panache. They have that scissor. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. saying he's rooting for Cooper Cup to break those records so that he can then next year try to break Cooper Cup's records. Probably won't happen with the Rams, but... Who knows? But, uh, yeah, they, they, they're they aware of it, and they're trying to do it, and they want to do it, and I think that makes it more likely that it'll get there. I think he's going to break both of them. I, I just do. Unless the 49ers really come up with a game plan defensively that can keep the ball away from Cooper Cup. Tom Brady, most completions. He needs 16 to set the single-season record of 471. I didn't even know this one was in play, but it sure looks like Tom Brady can get there. He only needs 16. Well, the, the thing about it, though, is, Mike, I mean, how much are they really going to want to play their 44-year-old quarterback going into the postseason? Now, I know that last year they kind of weren't really playing for much either in Week 17 as they were hitting into the postseason. Tom Brady still played most, if not all, of that game that they had. So I kind of feel like that's just what Arian's attitude is, is that they're going to play their guys. So I think he should be able to get this one with 16. Uh, yeah, I think he'll get that one as well, and maybe they'll take him out after he gets it. He doesn't care about that, though. He cares about Super Bowl number eight. Exactly. Passing yards record, 488 to break Peyton Manning's record of 5,477. I don't think he's getting a 488. I think he'll be, he'll, be, he'll be on the bench long before he would ever have 488 passing yards because that would mean he had one hell of a day against the uh, Carolina Panthers to wrap the season. He'll be gone long before he'd have that many yards. Yeah, probably, but who knows? I mean, you know, they could run up and down the field on Carolina. I don't, I don't necessarily put it past the Bucks to do that just because of the way things have gone with the Panthers this year. Also needs 46 attempts to set the Matthew Stafford record uh, or break the record of 727 set by Matthew Stafford in 2012. That's a lot of passes for him to throw in Week 18. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. Last one, real quickly, T.J. Watt. All he needs is one and a half sacks to become the single-season sack record leader beating the fraudulent 22 and a half that Michael Strahan put together in 2001 thanks to the Brett Favre audible that he called naked bootleg to the right that no one knew about and he slid into Michael Strahan and gave him the 22nd and a half sack does TJ Watt get one and a half against the Ravens who have given up I think 54 sacks on the year and may have Lamar Jackson back Yes, well, they are tops in the league in uh, giving up that many sacks. And both Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley are being sacked about 9% of their dropbacks. Uh, numbers are a little bit lower for Huntley than it is for Lamar Jackson. Jackson didn't even practice again today. I don't know if he's going to play. But either way, the answer is yes, I think he's going to get that record. Yeah, I agree with you there as well. A couple of questions real quick before we wrap up. Neil watches PFT. Who will make a greater impact on their respective team come playoff time? Cam Akers. Rams running back who may play this weekend, or Derrick Henry. We talked about him earlier coming back for the Titans. 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, Cam Akers had, was so, so good there late in the season for the Los Angeles Rams. Had, I think, 120, some 130 uh, yards rushing in that playoff game that they won over the Seattle Seahawks. But you talk about Derrick Henry. He really, really is that offense. I mean, their offense revolves around him when he's on the field. The Rams still have a guy in Sony Michelle who's performed really, really well, had the most rushing yards of anybody in December. So that's why I would say that it would probably be Derrick Henry over Cam Akers, Mike. I agree with you there, but Cam Akers, if he can be effective right out of the gates, he gives that offense a new dynamic where you don't have to rely so heavily on Cooper Cup, and maybe you can mix it up a little bit and keep defenses on their toes a little bit more. I think that's always the key to a great offense, where the defense never knows as it approaches the line of scrimmage any given play, is it going to be a pass or a run, because they spend the first second trying to diagnose what's going on here and if you get on your heels with a guy who's running hard downhill that opens up the rest of the offense that that's my point i know but but they're still but they're you can know he's but their offense is going to change break your face like that's the that's the beauty of derrick henry he goes over and over and over again like marshawn lynch used to say but their offense doesn't fundamentally change with Derrick Henry. It potentially fundamentally yeah. changes in L.A. if Cam Akers is playing at a high level, if they care to mix it up and keep defenses guessing. But I agree with you. Hey, I, I ultimately agree with you that it's Derrick Henry because he's so damn good. But if they use Cam Akers the right way, they could really flummox opposing defenses in the postseason. Neil Watch's PFT has another there. important question. What is a worse insult, being called a bum by Aaron Rodgers or having Aaron Rodgers tell people to not waste your time reading crap like that. I don't know where that was. I don't remember him saying that before. Which one's worse? Really? I mean, I, I like would Mike say they're probably being a... I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, Thanks. reading crap like that. <laughs> there, yeah. he, he was talking about you. Yes, yeah. At least you can put that on the back of a book, right? And say, uh, I don't read that in just. But yeah, I think probably being a bum is called worse because you're not going to be saying he's a bum on the back of a book. <laughs> what I would like to do, and I'm making this request publicly now in the event that I never reduce it to writing and put it in my last will and testament, I would like my tombstone to have on it an LED flat screen, solar powered, which is programmed to play that clip on a continuous loop forever. That's what I want. It can't be that expensive. And by the time I die, hopefully by the time I die, it will be even cheaper than it is now to get yourself a flat screen, solar powered, continuous loop, Aaron Rodgers. I want anyone who walks up to pay their respects or otherwise at my uh, site of permanent uh, residence to be able to enjoy that as much as I enjoy it every time that I see it. All right, uh, we got to wrap it up. Thanks for your time today. Uh, Miles, I really do hope we get to come see you in L.A. I really do. Me too. I'm going to be watching this yeah. very carefully. Hopefully we'll know soon. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. Chris Sims will be back, and we'll have a good time. See you then. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.